tell us about what happened when the bones turned up at the Sacred Heart Mission. Look, it was one of our more unusual donations. <laughs> And it really looked like a full skeleton. I mean, there was a lot of bones. It was like sort of rabid dogs fighting over an old Chico roll, <laughs> but it wasn't just one fight. They had like 10 rounds and it kept changing. And then someone threw a rotten hamburger into the ring and it just went on and on and on. It was very brutal. The Adelaide Crows are still bluing with their consultants about whether the players had to listen to the Richmond theme song. <laughs> when they went on this mind-numbing, mind-altering, mind-upsetting camp. Well, living in my place is like being a collective <laughs> minds camper. We just run, walk around all the time singing the Tigers theme song. <laughs> Banging on about three at the G. It's a rom-com set in New York. It is funny, it's alternative, and it's quite unusual. And what's most unusual about it is the main characters are autistic. Does Essendon deserve a pass or fail this season? No comment. Why'd you even do it? I always just wanted to say that. <laughs> the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin for the Interchange Bench, First Class Temporary and Contract Talent. And it's that time of the week again, everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. <laughs> While the cat's away, the mice will play. Corey is taking a well-deserved break and I've brought in off the Interchange Bench for the Interchange Bench. Recruit the best staff with the Interchange Bench. My husband, Brendan Donoghue. Hi, Brendan. G'day. You told me I was going out for coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. And back by popular demand, Anna Barry. Anna from the Op Shop. Welcome back, Anna. Good morning, Caro. Good morning, Brendan. Morning. We've got a lot to talk about this morning. Anna was at the centre of a massive story a few weeks ago when live bones were delivered to her op shop. Or yes. dead, dead bones or live bones? <laughs> sorry, I mean real human bones. <laughs> You're right, sorry. Th- thanks for the um Live pick up. bones are interesting. But we do have some apologies. We have one in absentia. Corrie is mortified that her comments about Julie Bishop, she believes, were slightly taken the wrong way. She certainly didn't mean, and I did pick her up on it during the show, but she's a massive fan of Julie Bishop and everything she's achieved. She didn't mean to be taking her apart for her physical appearance and hopes she gets a Governor-General's job one day. Brendan might have a view on what's happening to Julie. Um, I don't think Corrie would become the Governor-General, but <laughs> Julie Bishop may. That's, that's Bad a, grammar. Anyway, go that, on. That, okay. Yeah. Well, you've been picking up people on their grammar a lot lately, <laughs> yeah. including politicians. Correct. Um, Jamie Mason good name for an actor, was happy with um, us for calling out those who had a crack at Waleed Ali and he finds it very interesting that Sam Newman's rants aren't political but others are. And we want to thank everyone who commented on how much they enjoyed our dear guest Mark Downey last week, including Jane Brearley, who snapped up tickets for Mark's new show, Lottie in the Late Afternoon, which is on <coughs> at 45 downstairs. And are you, um, you're a bit of a theatre goer. Are you going to Marg's new show? I certainly am. I think it sounds fantastic. And I love 45 downstairs. Fabulous venue. In Flinders Lane. You're a um, subscriber to the Melbourne Theatre Company. What's your view of this year's season? I think this, this year's season has been completely mediocre. I'm disappointed to say. I subscribe thinking, give it another go. It's going to be great. I just think they're boring plays. I'm not happy with the quality of what they're putting on. I feel they use the same actors time and time again. I won't name names, but it's tedious. <laughs> and, in fact, Anna is um, Anna is a grumpy person this week too, and amazingly <laughs> it's not the MTC which she's grumpy about. We should again thank our wonderful new sponsor, the Interchange Bench. If your business needs new players, pick them up from the Interchange Bench, the leading provider of temporary and contract talent. Just call one 800 i lowercase i, bench, or see interchangebench.com. 
www.interchangebench.com.au. For talent so good, you'd wish you could keep them. Call the Interchange Bench. Now, Anna's got a book. I've seen an, um, an um, extraordinary film. Anna and I are sharing the recipe this week. We've both had huge success, and Anna tipped me off to this one, an Annabelle Crab recipe from her previous cookbook, another one coming out later this year. But first, Brendan, we're going to talk politics and what happened in Canberra last week. Now, um, you and Anna both watched Four Corners on Monday night. We did. Not together, but yes, we did. Sadly, (laughs) maybe you weren't watching me, which is a bit hurtful, but that's all right. So many implications here. Obviously, the News Limited part in all of this and Rupert Murdoch's visit to town. I want to ask you, Brendan, about political bans and how that might be affecting state politics. But first of all, let's have a listen to what Chris Orman said, the Channel 9 commentator on the Today Show the other day. I should make this point at the moment, and unfortunately the, the people in the media who yell the loudest seem to have the biggest glass jaws when you, when you point this out. But everyone from the Prime Minister on down has pointed out to me that they believe that there is a campaign being waged against them. By, and so this is reporting news, right? This is what people are telling me about what's going on. That News, news Corporation, so we're talking about the Australian, Daily Telegraph and all of those tabloid mag, uh, newspapers around the country, 2GB in Sydney, led by... Alan Jones and Ray Hadley, and Sky News in particular, with its evening lineup, are waging a war against the Prime Minister of Australia. Now, that's what they think. That's just reporting the news. Apparently, if you say that to them now, they get their knickers in a huge twist. Now, if they want to be players in this game, which is apparently what they are, and they're working behind the scenes as well as in front of the scenes, if they are making phone calls to people, trying to push people over the line, They're part of this story. So all I'm saying is if they want to dish it out, they should be prepared to take it. And they're among the biggest bullies in the land. Mm. And it's about time that people call them out for what they are. And if they don't like that, then they can come after me. Gutsy stuff by Chris Ullman. Uh, What's your view on all of that, Brendan? Oh, very gutsy. Um, It was terrific that he did it because a lot of people were thinking uh, exactly what he was saying on, I think, the morning show. Um, I mean, everyone knows that Sky News has a certain agenda. They don't hide that uh, most of their commentators are of the right wing and most of them really do like um, Peter Dutton or Tony Abbott over Scott Morrison or Malcolm Turnbull. Um, I'd like to distinguish between a lot of fine journalists and artists and cartoonists and photographers at News Limited compared to where the management uh, may steer the paper on issues like who should lead the country and whether you know, coal, coal-fired generation is better than renewables. But it was a very gutsy thing for a, uh, a senior journalist who'd worked at the ABC um, poached by Channel 9 after Laurie Oakes um, fully retired. Um, and for him to say that, well, they will come, they will come after him. There's no doubt about that. Um, people who take on News Limited do cop it. Um, but there's no doubt people like um, Ray Hadley and Alan Jones have been players. They were asked about it. They said that they admit that they make phone calls and um, urge people behind the scenes to do things. So they are part of the, um, the great rich mix that is Canberra. And the, uh, particularly the Sydney media, it's, uh, it's less here in Melbourne. We'll come to that later on. But um, it's a lot rougher up in Sydney. So Rupert Murdoch obviously came into town a week or two before the spill happened. Yeah, we don't know the exact, uh, well, the exact uh, timing of it. But, of course, whenever he's in town, um, the t- tension rises around News Limited offices and um, among the staff about which way they should jump and what they should do and what the emphasis should do. But um, there's been no doubt that, you know, for, since the Australian started in, what, the 60s, it's been his flagship political paper. It, it doesn't make a, a profit per se in the printed sense, um, but it's got a very good um, website following now as well. 
Um, and you know, if you're one of the most powerful men in 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 the world, you you do use your power, and it's your right to um, have a paper that leans a certain way. There's no law saying you have to be left, centre, or right. Um, but uh, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, he said at his last press conference that very very powerful voices in the media were against him, and it's true. So why do you think he failed? Well, he failed for one reason, and why do politicians fail? Because they're not popular. If you're the, if you're a prime minister and you're popular with the people, you'll you'll keep power within your own party because people want to be dragged along by you, win their seats and keep their salaries and put their kids through school and buy nice cars and houses, etc. If you're not popular, you'll be torn down. And we have a fantastic history now, particularly those who are political junkies, of um, tearing down leaders. I mean, a quick calculation on the old calculator is I think we've, we, if we um, change the Prime Minister by next uh, May, we'll, we'll have, what, seven in 11 years, which is averaging roughly every 19 months or so. And, Anna, there were so many buy stories and red herrings and, you know, sideline cameo stories, I suppose, but you and I were watching it from the sidelines. You were probably – were you at the op shop on Friday? I was at the op shop. We had the television on all day and people were glued, but I left just absolutely exhausted, horrified. I mean, it was a horrible day for Australians. I mean, what must the international community think of us? Yep. Really and truly, it's just ridiculous. It was like sort of rabid dogs fighting over an old Chico roll, <laughs> but it wasn't just one fight. They had like 10 rounds and it kept changing. And then someone threw a rotten hamburger into the ring and it just went on and on and on. It was very brutal. And a lot of lying too. A lot of lying. Sarah Henderson said on the local Liberal member for Karangamite down in Victoria, she said that the night before the final ballot, she was offered a, a ministerial position, a, a position in Cabinet if she voted for uh, Peter Dutton. That's unbelievable, isn't mm. it? I mean, it's just, it's got absolutely nothing to do with good governance and what sort of role models are politicians oh. now? They're the worst role models in the country. Is it going to have, we'll briefly touch on state politics. So what are the ramifications, because we've got a state election coming up in our house and in Victoria <laughs> later this year. What does it mean for Matthew Guy? Well, look, it's not, it's not good when um, the, the, the overall brand is being trashed, as in terms of the Liberal and the National Party brand. Um, it's a coalition Victoria as well. But, look, people do distinguish between state issues. People aren't stupid. They do know that public transport, state education, hospitals are basically run by the state government. They, they know about Daniel Andrews. A lot of people know about Matthew Guy. He, his profile will go up and up and up. And three months, it, it is a very long time, like it's an eternity in politics. So there will be um, distinguishing um, features and people will, will vote on state issues. However, you prefer not to have it if you're a Matthew Guy because it just set him back in terms of um, promoting stability and leadership, that sort of thing. He can say he's had a stable leadership, which he has, he hasn't been will he trot out Josh him. Frydenberg? Well, I think, yeah, he probably will. Josh uh, Frydenberg, the new treasurer and deputy leader of the Federal Liberal Party, is the, is the member for Kuyong, and he's a, a very bright and personable um, politician and person with a, a great smile, and I'm sure that they'll, they'll, they'll use him to campaign. Uh, whether they bring Malcolm Turnbull down too much, I'm not too sure. Matthew Guy was asked about this. He said he would. Um, but of course, that's up to sorry, up to Scott Morrison coming down. Wouldn't it's think they'd bring Malcolm up. down. No, sorry, Scott Morrison. <laughs> the Malcolm Prime even know where Melbourne is. It's hard to keep up, isn't it? I'll just check what, <laughs> what day is it. There is a, there is an app now that it says every half hour the current Prime Minister of Australia is, and oh, you can no. download that. Um, so whether Scott Morrison will come down, uh, I don't know whether he'll resonate too much in Victoria. 
Um, but yeah, it, it will be fought mainly on um, state issues and mostly along the Frankston Railway line. So you, you mentioned, um, we've talked about political punishments and you mentioned Alan Jones, Neil Mitchell, who was the top rating morning show host on 3AW here in Melbourne and has been for two decades. At he has been. And he, yeah, and he's probably more centre, Neil. He, he's not rabid left, he's not rabid right, and he's not sort of rabid centre. No. He's pr- pretty sensible, actually. And for but, more than a year, but, well, Daniel yeah. Andrews, the Premier, has not gone well, on his show. Both Labor leaders. So Bill Shorten, roughly a year and a half ago, there was that debate about um, penalty rates. Bill Shorten had said on Neil's show that he would follow the Fair Work Australia decision Fair Work came down with the decision to cut penalty rates. Bill Shorten didn't accept it. He backflipped campaigning now to maintain penalty rates. So Neil Mitchell basically called him out on that. So Bill Shorten has basically banned Neil Mitchell, won't go on. Uh, As for Daniel Andrews, the Premier in Victoria, uh, he banned Neil Mitchell roughly about 18 months ago. This is a bit more involved. Neil Mitchell did a story quoting senior Labor sources, which is code for ministers or a minister, or a former minister, saying that Daniel Andrews had made quite vulgar remarks about a former Liberal MP, Donna Bauer, who had bowel cancer. Uh, it's a, so that's a very sensitive issue in itself, and, and consider that Daniel Andrews' father, um, not long before that, had died from cancer as well. So Neil Mitchell said that sources had told him this vulgar remark had been said. He said that Daniel Andrews denies it and he did the story because he thought that, well, if it's not true, it means that very, very senior people around Daniel Andrews are trying to drag him down with a really nasty, dirty campaign. So he thought it was in the public interest. However, it was a very tough decision to go with the story. He went with the story. I think Daniel Andrews went on his show one more time and then he's just cut him. So he won't go on. Other ministers go on, like the Transport Minister Jacinda Allen or the Attorney-General or the Treasurer Tim Pallas. But Daniel Andrews, he goes on Eddie Maguire on Triple M or John Fain on 3LO. Um, Is it going to affect him electorally, do you think? Well, if you talk to Daniel Andrews people, they they look at the profile of the 3AW listenership, which is mainly um, old compared to very, very few under 35s or under 40s. Um, So the bulk of their listenership is older. And it's a whole new era. They're, um, I mean, Daniel Andrews made a massive announcement um, this week, $50 billion rail line over 38 years or something. Um, he made it on Facebook at 7am. Now he's got 500,000 plus listeners. And he so, didn't leak it to the Herald Sun and they buried it on about page 17. <laughs> well, it's news selection, Caro. It's news selection. It's only $50 billion. And page 17, that, well, that's pretty close to the front. <laughs> Anyway, that well, well, that's fascinating, and obviously it's all going to play out over the next few months. And whether he goes back on Neil, and whether it hurts Neil more than Daniel, is going to be interest, interesting. Oh, it'll you be like both of them, but they're both. Well, you, you get on reasonably well with the premier. Yeah. Um, we, we've worked and both really like Neil Mitchell. Yeah, I find the whole thing fascinating. I really. Well, do. you can imagine they should get together, but I think it got really personal. So if they do, if they do have an interview, it will be uh, there'll be a couple of cameras in the studio. I'm not leaving you out, Anna, but I know you only listen to 3AW on weekends when the footy's on. Goes with that saying, Caro. Which we'll get on to in a moment. Tell us about what happened when the bones turned up, turned up at the Sacred Heart Mission. Look, it was one of our more unusual donations. So a box of bones was donated to one of our op shops. And just in the routine day of unpacking, a volunteer unpacked a box of bones and it really looked like a full skeleton. I mean, there was a lot of bones. It wasn't just 
No, seriously. And so, why would somebody do that, Cara? I think it came in with an old Janome sewing machine. I can't be certain, <laughs> but anyway, we didn't. We actually didn't know, obviously, who donated them. We had to call the police because although they did have sort of like holes in them that you thought could have been a skeleton, who knows whether it was a Hannibal Lecter situation and what had happened and where these bones had come from. So. The police came, forensics. It was just a huge day in the op shop. I can see Miss Jane <laughs> killing us. No, it was huge. And there was a lot of, you know, oh, my God. What price were you going to put on them? Look, <laughs> sadly, confiscated by the police. They did turn out to be teaching bones. It was a full male skeleton, not the full head. So a, teacher, the... a teacher or teaching? No, teaching. Teaching. Do you remember when we were – remember we used to love all those British comedies? Remember Doctor in the House and the skeleton they used to work on? That's what it reminded me of. But they are actually quite rare because they just don't do them anymore. Normally, if a body's donated to science, they then cremate the bones, give them back to the family. So I think they think they're a male Indian. How they know that, I do not know. Who, who, that's dropped, forensics. who dropped them off? Well, we don't know. It was a donation. It's out the front. They came in, but I don't think we got them on CCTV. I mean, we're not a police station. Let's face it. We're an op shop. Anyway, no, no guns in the roof then at your place. <laughs> Brendan, the things Anna gets. I did poke fun at Tim Lane once on um, 3AW Football because I think one day he walked into Anna's shop with – he donated a mobile phone holder. Carol, you what really – What a beauty. You threw me under a bus there. I know, He's never I looked know. at me the same way since. But I have actually made a list – of some of the more unusual items. Mm-hmm. Go Would you ahead. like to hear? And it's by no means definitive. And this is just <laughs> in my short time, and it's not a long list, but guns, a taxidermied rabbit, a tooth with a gold filling in a jewellery box, <laughs> sex aids, alcoholic bevs, a box of unopened 50th birthday cards with a substantial amount of cash. <laughs> which I found extraordinary. You wouldn't open your own birthday cards. That is amazing. Mm. What did you do with the cash? We, well, we actually knew who it was because it was a collect donation. So we rang up and she came in rather shamefaced <laughs> <laughs> and didn't actually leave a donation, which I thought was a bit rough. Yeah. Oh. Um, porn, a suitcase belonging to a nun, which had full gear, religious memorabilia, Bibles, and all her tools of the trade. Oh, okay. Wow. So she'd obviously given up the... She'd give... I think she could have croaked, yeah. (laughs) And my final one is, and we've got it at the moment, is an urn with human cremated ashes, which the owners, when contacted, didn't want back. So we've got the urn with his name around the... Thing. What so, have you done with the ashes? Well, Leslie, known to us now as Les, is up on the top <laughs> in the pantry at work because how much? How much have you got on Les? Well, we can't throw him out. Can we sell 20, him? Twenty-five bucks. <laughs> He's actually really heavy. Mm. I didn't realise how heavy they were. Anyway, yes, the most bizarre. Oh, items. that is. Uh, I, I, Anna, Anna put out the text to some of our gang about the bones, and it was amazing. An hour later, it was all over yeah. the news. Mm. So obviously, the police had been. That that is a fascinating story. And what about the um, nunsky? Did that sell? Nunsky. I don't know what fancy happened to dress, the nunsky. I know. I think we felt a bit bad about putting it out for fancy dress. Yeah. I mean, it was someone's life's work. Well, in, I mean, we might have sold it in the case. But she might be lapsed. I mean, she might have, you know, yeah. It was, look, it was old stuff. I reckon she croaked. Where do you send? Honest. Where do you send stuff you can't sell? We or actually it's inappropriate to sell. Look, we actually um, inappropriate to sell. Sadly, we have to put it in landfill. Yeah. Some other stuff, like if it's, you know, unusual stuff, we can on sell to Diabetes Australia and other charities. But you have to be fairly mindful that 
Like you put a fur in the window, everyone complains. Yeah. So you imagine if they're complaining about furs. Yes. How'd they go with the sex aids? Or yes. Bag full of G-bangers. You know, it just doesn't bear thinking about. Now, we'll briefly move on to footy before we go to crush of the week. And um, Oh, Anna's got a crush of the week, and this is a good one. So there's been, look, a series of stories this week, but the one that is just absolutely – this has held my fascination since the story broke in um, – Late March, I think it was Anna. The the story about the Adelaide Crows preseason camp. Um, that to think that almost a year after the Tigers upset Adelaide in the grand final, the Adelaide Crows are still bluing with their consultants about whether the players had to listen to the Richmond theme song <laughs> by Roche when they went on this mind numbing, mind altering, mind upsetting camp. Have you followed the story at all? I've completely followed the story more because you got me onto it. But it's just extraordinary they're still bickering. I know. And the press conference. I mean, I actually didn't know that was on until I saw it on your show. I was astounded. I know. That you would hold a press conference yep. in that week, pre-finals. At the MCG. To discuss and, and the camp. We did it deliberately um, after the Crows season had ended because we didn't want to upset them. I mean, Abysmally. They've, they've upset, seriously upset their Indigenous players. Oh caused major divides among the playing group. Players have been forced to come out. And I remember the Crows earlier this year when I was writing a column about it and they knew I think it was going to be quite tough. They got um, Sam Jacobs, who's a lovely guy, to ring me up. And Sam was very convincing. He just kept saying, Caro, there was absolutely no problem. It was great. It was great. It was all fine. And I, I believed him. And I'm sure that some players didn't find it all that upsetting. But we now know that they were asked to do things that were pretty inappropriate. I mean, some apparently I think wanted to leave, weren't allowed to. There were ropes involved. Um, we still can't confirm or deny whether the no one's denied the players were tied up at certain points to create some sort of bonding. <laughs> Remember Rory Sloan said it's made me a better son, father, I know. husband. I mean, what he wasn't better at from going away on the camp. I mean, I know. it was a bit over the top. and It was a bit cultish, wasn't it? Mm. And my view is after what happened at Essendon, the AFL keeps saying, oh, and, and the Players Association, no one complained. There were no reports. There were no official complaints. Well, they didn't need that at Essendon to investigate. Um, and I think the Players Association after the – remember the Melbourne camp and the players arced up and said, we don't want to go. Jacked up, we're not going. I mean, camps are obviously very controversial. And, well, living in my place is like being a collective <laughs> minds camper. We just run – Walk around all the time singing the Tigers theme song, <laughs> banging on about three at the G. That is, as they should. That is absolutely not true. I don't true, think Neil Barmer really. booked the Tigers into collective minds. Brendan, what did you make of the story this week about uh, Gillan McLaughlin allegedly calling Peter Dutton? Well, who I, was, was... I was shocked because um, for months people have been trying to work out the au pair pair affair, but this turns out it's another. This is the third au pair. And someone came up to me and said that, you know, I think there was an, an ABC FOI came out saying that um, Peter Dutton was called by Gillan McLaughlin, the head of the AFL, um, out to look after a cousin in Adelaide who, who had booked the au pair. Whose French au pair had French um, au pair was about was to have her visa removed. Yep. She came out on a holiday visa. Apparently au pairs have to have um, working visas. Not that they do much work au pairs, but anyway. What are you talking about? We had some wonderful Danish au pairs. When and our they kids all were had little. the proper visa, didn't they? they? Certainly. We certainly. checked them 
Damn well, straight they, they did. Damn straight they did. But is that, and then of course there's political. Uh, one, one call to, anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> political <laughs> donations made by the McLaughlin. And there's well, no secret the McLaughlins are. Yeah, know, they're, yeah, they're a wealthy family and they're, they, they're allowed to donate to whoever they want to donate to. But it just makes it a, you know, a, a richer and thicker story, the whole thing about who calls who. And it's hurt, hurt Peter Dutton. There's now a Senate inquiry into the au pair pair, original pair affair. Um, so we know about the third one now. So that will hurt him down the track, particularly as we haven't found out who, which family had booked the au pair pair pair. Au pair, pair. Well, and whether there were two or three au pairs. And the, the, well, we know there's three now. Yeah, the, the political favours. It's a bit though. like a limerick, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, if you want, you know, if you want uh, temporary uh, workers, you can go to the interchange bench. And if you want an au pair, just call Peter Dutton. Call the Dutts. <laughs> Now it's time for Crush of the Week, um, thanks to the Interchange Bench, Recruit the Best Staff, as Brendan just said with the Interchange Bench. Anna, you've been on a mini break. I have been on a mini break to Wollongong to see my not only Crush of the Week, but Crush of All Times, Bob Dylan. Oh, what was it like? Look, it was fabulous. We saw him perform in a very small venue in the gong, which I think made the whole experience Fantastic. Bob was seated just in the corner with his piano playing directly at me in my fabulous seat. So it we, it was just wonderful from the get-go. And although my friend Bernadette thought Bob, who is 77 with an auburn afro, looked like a homeless old woman, <laughs> I actually, as a self-declared Dylan tragic, thought he looked pretty rock and roll. <laughs> anyway, just briefly, there was lots of classics reinterpreted, lots of harmonica, an encore of Blowing in the Wind, still so relevant. Um, his longtime band was exceptional and gave the complete masterclass in sort of American musical influences from John Lee Hooker to Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. So that was fabulous. And when he played the piano version of Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, oh, with harmonica, I cried. Oh, so, oh, I'm in a nutshell, thinking about he's it. still got it. That that's one of the um, all time great songs. Great Don't songs. Don't think twice. It's all right. It is. And and did he do? Um, uh, you know, Mama, take this badge off of me. Knocking on heaven's door. He didn't do knocking on heaven's door, but he did, as I said, do blowing in the wind and ballad of a thin man as the encore. And he did all his old favourites reinterpreted. I'll grant you, but I mean, you were t- tapping your toe along and, and positively then- fourth street. Didn't do positively fourth street, but he did a lot from Blood on the Tracks, which oh, no. is one of one of the all time great t- albums. Yes. What about did he do uh, dropping the live bones at the op shop? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. What was the venue? Were the you... venue was the Wynn Sports and Entertainment Centre, which doesn't sound particularly atmospheric. No, but, all bobbish. Yeah, no. but it, but it was actually small. There was five thousand people. So it was actually an intimate venue compared to Margaret Court, which I didn't want to go and see him at because no. I thought way too big. There'll be sound issues, and I mean, who doesn't want to go to the Gong? So have so dinner. You flew to Sydney. Flew to Sydney. Our lovely friends Bernadette and Harry picked us up. We did the lovely mini road trip down through the national park. You know, Thoreau, Kiama, all those gorgeous places, and then hit Berry, which I absolutely loved, and then we drove to the Gong the next day for Bob. And I think the gong had stopped for Bob. Everyone was just bobbing on and everyone was old. So it was actually really hilarious. Well, I'm very envious. Um, so that was Crush of the Week. Crush Thank, of the Week. Thanks and, to and the Interchange Bench and a good review as <laughs> well. I'll say one more time. It's This is all about temporary staffing and executive contracting. Call one 800 
iBench. Or Peter Dutton if you want an au pair. Or- <laughs> You'll also, very funny, find a link to the Interchange Bench in our show notes and get in touch with them today. It's time for BSF. Anna, you're carrying this segment as well because you have a new book. What's or a BSF book. stand for? Books, Screen, Food. Well, tell people. They don't know that. Well, regular listeners, Brendan, will know what BSF is and if you'd been listening, you'd know too. Go think, on, Anna. I think there's some marital spatting <laughs> happening next to me. Now, I'm um, cracking out the book today, which is called So Much Life Left Over – by uh, an author called Louis de Bernier, if that is how you pronounce it. Oh, yes. His... What did he write? Oh, Caro, I'm Sorry. getting to that. Don't don't jump me. <laughs> Sorry. Now, this is a gentle drama with lots of humour, which follows a cast of charismatic but troubled characters as they negotiate the interwar years in England and abroad. And it was brilliant. Oh, you'll, you'll completely love it. It's written by the best-selling author of Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which I absolutely hated. And Red Dog. But this story begins in Salon, where the protagonists, Daniel and Rosie, have relocated after World War I, hoping to rejig their failing marriage. Then we meet their extended families, and through them, the author depicts Britain recovering from one war and sort of stepping or slipping towards you, another war. The two world wars have created oh, some great literature, haven't they? Great, British literature. Yeah, especially British. And this yep. is fabulous. And actually, the author's cleverly brought back to life characters from his 2015 novel, Dust That Falls From Dreams, although both books can be read independently. And I didn't even realise it was part of a trilogy until I sort of got halfway through and thought, gee, these characters' names sound a bit familiar. But it's a lovely, gentle book. But it also tackles the big issues such as separated fathers, alcoholism and dysfunctional families in with the context of war and in a light and with a sort of sophisticated touch. It's it's an absolutely gorgeous book. And if it's not optioned as a film, I'll be really disappointed or a BBC TV series. The name again? It's called So Much Life Left Over. What a great title. Great title. Fabulous cover of a salon tea plantation with sort of Selenese people and an, sort of an English couple looking really out of whack. Remember our holiday in Sri Lanka, Dal? It was one I of do. our... Yeah. When we were... Um, we, I've never, I'd never bet, but I put money on Pat Cash to win Wimbledon you and won. he was 16 to 1 and we won, won 800 seven, bucks. 800 which, bucks. You back told in me the 700. 800. <laughs> which back you in told the, me $700. Back in the 80s was a lot of money. Oh. And um, and that was one of that was almost the airfares, and it yeah. was war torn at the time, and, and we, we had this fabulous cheap holiday. We tipped the waiters a dollar. Yeah, it was just well, we, the food cost about two dollars. Every night we played, we drank gin and tonics, and ate vegetable curries, and played five hundred, and watched the elephants wash themselves in the river at Candy. It was a great holiday. Mm. Well, Anna, I've got one for you. Now, this is um, I know Joanna Trollope. Oh. I know she's a bit lowbrow. Carol. Mum gave me this one. It's a new one. City of Friends. Right. It's about working women. That's all I'm going to say. Joanna Trollope, City of Friends. It's about it's one of her better ones. It's a good read. Are you giving it to me? I'm giving it to you oh, to read. Stunning. Did you enjoy The Librarian, the Sally Vickers one I talked about recently? I absolutely love The Librarian and I read it cover to cover on my mini break in Berry and loved it. I loved the characters. I loved the fact that you were laughing out loud and then it was actually really sad. It was. And it, it, she just does emotion so well. And it was sort of an anthology of brilliant children's books too. Which that is, too. Um, anyway, we've, I've got a screen. Now, Brendan, you should have come to this with me, but you didn't. 
Well, BSF stands for Border Security Force in India. <laughs> well, in this case of Screen, I went and saw a film last week that um, my our dear friend Deb, Deb Conway, has been raving about so much that in the end she forced me to go with her and went again that she loved it so much. And three of us went. It's called Keep the Change. It's a rom-com. It's a rom-com set in New York and it is funny it's alternative and it's quite unusual. And what's most unusual about it is the main characters are autistic and they're played by autistic actors. I think it would have been incredibly hard to make, this film, but it's it's based on a true story and it's about a, blow, a, 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 young, a man in his 40s who's got rich parents and there's something clearly wrong with him, although he doesn't quite accept there's something wrong with him. And he's got a... Um, he tells bad jokes and he's told a particularly inappropriate joke in front of police one day and he's used the word pig. So he's made to go and work at a community centre. And um, he doesn't, and this community centre is made up of ver- people with various disabilities, all different levels of the spectrum, but a lot of Asperger's, a lot of autism. And it's about the woman he meets. And it is just one of the funniest, most beautiful, great film about New York, even has the obligatory Coney Island romantic scene <laughs> that goes horribly wrong and really interesting. And I can only say, go and see, keep the change. It was on at the Jewish Film Festival here in Melbourne, and it did so well that it's now got mainstream screening. So that's screen. And Anna, you, I'm going to read out the recipe, but tell me about this um, cake that you first put me onto last year. I think this it, is food, by the way, Brendan. F for food. F for food. Not for. <laughs> right. Did we find it in the Annabelle Crab cookbook or we had did, we known Anna. about it? And then we went to the Annabelle Crab launch and we thought we'll give it a go. It is fabulous. And it's once you've hunted and gathered the ingredients, it's actually easy to make. It is. But it's, you do need to get all your ingredients lined up. And it's completely divine and everyone loves it. It's called Persian Love Cake. For that alone, what a name. And Annabelle, it's in her um, first cookbook, Special Delivery, which um, I think she actually served it, Brendan, to Amanda Vanstone and Christopher Pine in that memorable episode. And look, Jane is going to, Miss Jane is going to put the recipe on the um, show notes, but the the secret to it is, Anna, there's nothing in it like self-raising flour or baking powder. That's That's why it's listed as the cake to make if you're usually bad at making cakes. That's on the SBS side. Well, that's oh, true because true. I don't – is there baking? There is a yeah, bit. There is but, baking. But, but it's only the crust and then you've got the filling and yep. then – oh, it's absolutely divine. And it started with pistachios. I mean, it looks spectacular. That was that was the longest bit and I made it for Brendan's birthday and she also that's says right. to um, decorate it with rose petals. And I don't, so we did a bee in rose petals. Mm, I don't like rose petals. I find them soggy when you eat them. Well, they look, look quite they look pretty good. with the bee on yep. it. Um, I mean, the, the – the trick is at the beginning, you actually mix up almond meal, two types of sugar, raw sugar and brown sugar, into a bowl with a pinch of salt. And then you rub in the butter and, and you then, make the crusty sort of. And you and make then, it into a ball, don't you? Yes. And, yeah. and then half of it you put at the bottom of the cake tin. And with the other half of that crummy mixture with the almond meal and the butter and the sugars, et cetera, et cetera, you add sort of nutmeg, eggs, lemon zest and yogurt. You absolutely give that the massive beat and put that on top. Mm. And then you cook it in the oven with pistachios on top. It is absolutely beautiful. beautiful. And it looks beautiful and it looks festive. And if you want an insight into Scott Morrison, have a look at Annabelle Krabs um, when she went around and cooked him dinner that night Mm. on that series she did about, what was it called? 
I'm coming to dinner. Kitchen cabinet. Kitchen cabinet. That's and, it was a good insight in Scott Morrison. Brendan, good tip. And the book's called Special Delivery. Which it book? With Annabelle's cookbook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which course. she wrote with her friend Wendy Sharp. And I think that recipe originated at a Queensland eatery called Quom, Q-O-M, oh. if you're interested. Um, Annabelle, incidentally, will be joining us in November to promote oh. her new cookbook. Speaking of which, I think we, we've got some exciting news about a new spin. We've got a spin-off now, Miss Jane, of Don't Shoot the Messenger, the book pod. More details to Fantastic. come soon. Fantastic. What a great idea. What's a book pod? It's going to be a book show on the podcast. It's going oh, to be. So it's not a pod. Jane and Corey have been scheming, ah, scheming, okay. not behind my back, but they keep telling me that um, right. on a needs to know basis, I don't need to know. But I know that Annabelle's going to be a guest. Anyway, six quick questions, Anna. I think I know what you're grumpy about today. Look, I am, and I've actually. I can't believe I'm almost agreeing with Jeff Kennett because it's just so unusual. <laughs> but I am grumpy as editorial. And I'm just saying, who isn't grumpy about footy final scheduling and the ensuing ticker tech debacle? Why hold a final between two huge Victorian clubs on a school night? Does the AFL have no respect for interstate or rural fans? And any chance we could have a Saturday or Sunday Arvo 210 final at the G? In the spring sunshine. In the spring fun- sunshine. And finally, do you have to be a Rhodes Scholar to navigate one's way through the Ticker Tech site, which then crashes every year? It's um, It, it really is like the TAB oh. crashing before the Melbourne Cup, isn't it? Uh, it's ridiculous. This the other I, mean, day. I spent it, half a day, along with your gorgeous daughter Rose, texting while we were both online with computers frozen, ready to go. I mean... Yeah, I know. And we Every all, year. It's pathetic. We all missed out. Brendan Gale's given the AFL a complete serve and Ticker Tech. <sighs> Too but, late, she cried. Yeah, and, and the schedule, look, the scheduling is clearly to please the TV audience. I know, but I still just think really and truly. Like, imagine the chaos in Richmond Thursday week. And why do it on a school night? I just think it's mean. And, it, you know, it's completely disregarding all other people except if you live in Melbourne. And not to mention Dan Butler not getting a decent break going from the VFL game on the Saturday night. I didn't want to personalise it, but don't worry. I was lying in bed thinking that won't be long enough, five days recovery. No, I've I've been there in my mind, but I didn't. I'll get you, Butler. (laughs) I'll get you. That's what what the other players say when they change. Can I just add to Anna's grumpy? The fact that the women's exhibition game that began triumphantly two years ago became a Victoria Allies game last year and was promoted by the AFL as a brilliant way to showcase women's footy over the pre-season, the pre-finals by has now been scrapped. They're not even, and, and I don't think the sponsors of the women's game are all that happy about it either. So they've been dudded. Channel 7 isn't going to show that game. They're going to show a VFL game. We'll be watching it, Anna, because it involves the Tigers VFL team against Williamstown, but not good enough. Not good enough at all. Speaking of grumpy, and now this is more questions, Brendan. I'm running the questions today. How many baseball caps can one man possess? A oh, bad call, Caro. Uh, variety <laughs> is the spice of life. I think about 30 baseball or golf caps over, spread over. You said the other day you were going to cull them. Spread over three rooms is fine. If the, if the caps fit, wear it. Um, but my favourite is a bucket hat that the kids gave me that's got well, Why ball, do you need another 30 up. baseball caps then? They're all sentimental. I love your bucket cap. <laughs> Brendan, and I reckon um, you could give some of your cap, your baseball caps to Scott Morrison because I wasn't happy with his. Yes. Why, why he, can't he people... banned the Akuba and went the baseball but cap? Why doesn't he crack out the Panama? It's really nice. It looks good on all ages. Or the toweling, Terry toweling. 
won't be bit, enough cover for those, yeah. you know, drought-stricken Do you see that dreadful sort of black baseball cap Trent Cotchin, the Richmond captain, was wearing when he was interviewed a few weeks ago when he was injured at Over, half-time? Oversized homeboy by, type. By Bruce McAvaney? No, I did not. It's it doesn't sound Trent. Hair and doesn't love... sound like Trent at all. I don't know what he was thinking. Well, his hair's not thin. Anna, oh, he's what... got a full scalp. <laughs> what is your favourite spring flower? Look, I do love the riotous pink blossom on the trees at the moment. However, if I had to nail a flower, it would be lily of the valley, which I love the dainty flowers and I love the stunning fragrance. And is that lily of the valley perfume you're wearing today? It could well be. I have, you know, tanned my aunt's (laughs) up with my perfume. It is. I married someone once and she had lilies on her dress. That's right. They well, yeah. they were, they were actually green goddess. No, they were green goddess lilies. Well, they're still lilies. Yeah, on on but, my wedding dress. Yeah. Yes. Um, what's yours, Caro? Well, I'm pretty happy with the beautiful daffodils. Love daffodils. Miss Jane has bought in today. But we were talking before you came in, and I think at the moment, driving around Melbourne and walking around Melbourne, the magnolias are so incredible. Jane's a fan of the dark pinky purple. I love the dark pinky one too. But I love the white, that really delicate white magnolia. I think is just absolutely stunning. And when the, 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 the blossom goes and it's just leaves, I think they're beautiful as well. I love the structure of the leaves too. I think that might be our front courtyard tree, Brendan, when we finally get around to fixing up our courtyard. Yeah, whatever. A white no, magnolia. It give, no, it gives value for money because you've got the structure, you've got the beautiful leaves, yep. then you get the flowers. I've got a mini one and it's gorgeous. Now, uh, Brendan, is Father's Day coming up a crass commercial invention? Yes, it is, uh, unless the kids um, invite you to a pub lunch on Sunday and buy you lots of golf balls. <laughs> which which they're doing? Which they're doing, yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. So so you're happy well, with... Well, you should love your father every day. Yeah, some, Father's Day just doesn't have the same ring as Mother's Day People does like it. mothers better than fathers. Let's face it, they have children. Men just hang around. I mean, No, I mean, they, no it's just that the day itself isn't as big a day, is it? I mean, restaurants aren't completely booked no. out. Well, no. there's a reason for that. I think probably mothers have more respect than fathers generally. And it's near the footy finals. You know, there's a lot going on, to be honest. Whereas Mother's <laughs> Day is just in May and it just seems to be, you know, <laughs> here we go. Maybe that's another reason why they put it in the buy round. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Anna, one for you. Now, you've recently bought a new car. I have. Are women treated differently buying new cars? Look, when I was considering this question, I thought, yes, they are. And I think it, when I went to get my car, it was widely presumed that himself would be footing the bill for my car. And most by of, the bloke who was selling you the car, or the well, boy. no, by by like what or I by mean, the family. No, what I mean to say is the bloke who was selling us the car was presuming that Chris oh, was I going see. to be writing out the check for the car when it was actually me. And most of the questions were directed at Chris. However, having said that, I got Chris to ring up and negotiate the deal, to crunch the deal, to ring back and make sure that it was all tickety-boo. Well, I took mum and Ruby, my daughter, to Mamma Mia too. So <laughs> I think it cuts both ways. <laughs> did you sign a cheque and buy it outright? You don't have to tell them if you did. Yeah, she did buy I think outright. I did, yes. Oh, I'm Very trying... unusual. Most no. people finance. You would die when you no, find I got out a what, what Anna got for her trade-in mm. for the Subaru. Seven? I mean, Seven? You... Oh, come on, Six, Brendan. Five. Bre- but four. Four. And, you know, Jeez. no, it was a magnificent trading because yeah. it wasn't worth anything. Subaru yet. Outback, four mm. grand, not bad. And, you know, mum had her car traded in and they offered her a poultry amount and she said, my Tiger's stickers on the back are worth more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and You're fin- better off selling it privately. Anyway. 
finally, Brendan, what is your TLT? And that stands for good local well, tip. What about does Essendon deserve a pass? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I've got another question. Does Essendon deserve a pass or fail this season? No comment. Well, why'd you even do it? I always <laughs> just wanted to say that. Uh, I'm torn over this, um, so I'm going to have to say a B. I'll give them a B. Well, that's a big pass. They were shizen at the start and they were fantastic at the end. Mm. So are you frustrated going into the finals? Terribly frustrated. We could have made, if we had beaten Carlton, Footscray, we would have made the eight. If we had beaten Carlton, Footscray, Richmond and, oh. uh, and Collingwood uh, and Richmond well, twice, we would have been second. Well, could have, so, sure, would it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Then we would have won the flag. So it's a flag we won't get back. So there, there's a view that Essendon have got more promise this year finishing out of the eight than they did last year finishing yeah. in the eight. What would your view be? There's a view we'll be better next year and we're all settled down. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for your GLT, Brendan. Well, recently I've noticed an explosion of people talking to themselves, um, particularly on the train, and um, I thought it was just uh, mental health issues and a lot of people moving away from them from the, the, the ill at ease. And I've realised that a lot of people just basically have those little um, Apple AirPods in their ears, um, and I've looked them up. They've got uh, optical sensors, they've got accelerometers. You put them in, they turn on automatically. You've got fantastic acoustics. You can be on the phone, listen to so music. Oh, the kids gave you one for your birthday. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's why I looked it up. And um, got it going. So I'm walking around now with this white thing. Someone said it looks like half a tampon sticking out of my ear. But anyway, they do work and the sound is really good. And you don't have to have those big black things on your head on the train, which aren't very attractive and disturb your hairstyle. So that your good local tip is Apple AirPods. Well, they can be any AirPods. The Apple ones are expensive, and there's knockoffs and other ones. There's Bose. There's all sorts. But um, the technology now is amazing compared to just normal earbuds or the old style limo Bluetooth earpieces. It sounds like the sort of thing I'd lose. How do you not lose it? I haven't lost it yet. I've had it for five days. So <laughs> going pretty well. <laughs> Could a be very, a good father, and they though. manufacture them that way, so you lose them. A very recent good local tip. Mm. Well, we're sitting and doing this podcast on the eve of the AFL finals, on the eve of spring in Melbourne. <laughs> we it was uh, we, we've missed you, Corey, but you'll be back next week. Anna, thank you so much for getting up at the crack of dawn and coming in. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Brendan, I'm sorry. I know I said I was taking you out for coffee, but thank you for coming in and giving us your thoughts on the political scene and your good local tip. No worries, Karen. Um, Thank you, everyone else, too, obviously, for listening. Thank you, Miss Jane, and thanks to the Interchange Bench for making the show possible. Uh, Specialists, of course, in temporary staffing and executive contracting. Call 1-800-I, lowercase i, bench. For details of all the things we've mentioned in the show, see the show notes. And, in your, of course, that's in your podcast app. You can also join us on Facebook, Twitter and the Caro and Corrie Insta. Email your thoughts to feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au and thank you, for, thank you, everyone, for all those five-star reviews lately. It really does help other people find the show. Anna, Brendan? Don't, don't shoot, shoot the, the messenger. messenger. <laughs> Could have been a bit more fired up. Thanks, guys. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is made possible by the Interchange Bench. The Interchange Bench provides first-class temporary and contract talent. So when you need to get your team back in the game, call on the Interchange Bench. They provide temporary staffing, executive contracting, casual workforce management and volume recruitment from finance, events, communications, digital to office support at all levels. Someone sick or resigned? Expanding the company. Just call 1-800-I-BENCH or see interchangebench.com.au for talent so good you'd wish you can keep them.